which I still take it to now wherever I go, which I took to Burnley with me, which I felt like, you know, asking questions the best way to like, you know, improve yourself and knowing exactly what you're doing wrong and what you, what you need to improve on. And also like, even if you're doing something right, there's nothing wrong with asking questions in order to take your game maybe to that bit, like, you know, that next step. Edo, welcome to a very special edition of the No Chof Des podcast on the OLB. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button, like, tell your nunna, because that's very, very important. She's a very important part, part of your life. Don't forget to tell her. But this edition is a special one, especially for me, because this gentleman, I've only known a week, but his story going through the ranks at Arsenal, at Burnley, is absolutely incredible. The experiences that he's got already at 19 years old is something that a lot of youngsters who are already involved in the game, perhaps at a younger level, can listen to and understand how difficult it is to be playing at elite level. It ain't easy. Because there are a lot of kids out there that think that, oh, I want to be a footballer when I grow up. Great. Do that. It's great to dream. But you need to work. And this guy, Ismail Diallo, former Arsenal Academy player, former Burnley. Welcome to the No Chofters podcast, my friend. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Good to be here, man. Thanks yeah, good to have you on, brother. Good to have <laughs> you on, man. We, we, we've spoken on the phone a couple of times, but this is the first time we're doing something face-to-face, not in a room that we were in the, the other day. <laughs> Um, and I, I like the background. What's that? Is that your wallpaper? Is that a wall? Is that what is that? Just the wallpaper. Nice man. Something a bit different. Yeah, I see what I see. What your academy money's been doing, like <laughs> creating your, your bedroom. Yeah, I see that. All right. You got, you got to make it homey. You know what I mean? You got to make it home wherever you go. It's gone through, you know. Feel at home. That's it, brother. That's it. That's it. Well, look, thank you for for coming on the show. And um, no problem. No problem. Yeah. So let me let me get straight because I'm just trying to remember our conversation from Sunday. You're from Brighton, but not yeah. a, are you originally from? Are you born in Brighton? Um, I'm originally I'm originally from Bram. I'm not. I was born in Guinea, West Africa. Guinea. Okay, yeah. so tell me about that. What was, Guinea. what was that like so, growing up? There's not too many memories from that because when I, I was born there, but um, I moved to the um, to England quite early on. So I, there's not many too much memories from there because yeah, I spent most of my time. I basically grew up in the UK and England here, and I spent most of my time growing up in Brighton. So for me, this is where I pretty much call home. But obviously, like, I got the roots of being from Guinea and I still speak the native languages and I still got a lot of family there. But How many languages? Mm, you say languages, that's plural. How many? Language, yeah. Um, I only speak one. Obviously, All my right. family speaks a few others within Guinea. So they speak a few of those, obviously, then I learned English. So um, Guinea, in Guinea, they speak Fula. But obviously, they got other languages. So Fula is my native language. Then obviously, I learned English. Obviously, that's what I speak on everyday basis now, other than when I'm at home with my family. Oh, okay. So you moved to Brighton. That's, that's a bit of a random place to go from Africa to Brighton. I, I, I do expect like London, Manchester, um, Birmingham. Uh, Brighton? My dad, my dad was already like, you know, so when I was born in Guinea, my dad was already living in the UK. Oh, so I see. Okay. We moved there and my dad was already based in Brighton and he always liked Brighton. Okay. So, and then we just, yeah. And then obviously I'm, I'm happy they chose Brighton because obviously it's something different to everything else. We've got the beach here, so around this time of year, summer now is beautiful to live here. You've mm. got the sea, which is literally like two minute walk. I can see it from my house, so you know it's some it's beautiful time right now in summer when when you've got long walks to do stuff like that. The sun's out, all that kind of thing. So it's a perfect destination, I think. Bro, I'm glad you said that because um, this a lot of the viewers are based in Cyprus of this podcast. Okay, yeah. and yeah. the beach to them, it's like you come out your house and there's a beach there. You know, so yeah. when when they hear that. England has beaches. They'll be like, yeah. on. I thought it always just yeah. rained all the time in England. Yeah, yeah we've got beaches. We've got beaches. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. We do. We've got beaches. We've got so, some 
That's it. So how did you get involved in the game? Because you don't just end up at Arsenal just yeah. by like you know being a Brighton peer, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um my story is quite typical for anyone who started football. So obviously I played Sunday League, um, I played for my local school team. Um I was doing well in that. I just enjoy playing with my mates and everything. So I played for my Sunday league teams around here, um, playing with friends, enjoying football. And then through that, um, Brighton came in for me because obviously like I'm based in Brighton. So I was playing, doing well, scoring a lot of goals. Back then I used to be a striker and I used to score a lot of goals. And obviously that generated a lot of noise from the local area. We started to know who I am from school, playing against other schools. My school was a very strong team as well. So we dominated a lot. So through that, clubs and everyone got involved, started contacting me. And, you know, Brighton wanted me to come in to train with them. And obviously, I went through all the Brighton. This is before Brighton became like, you know, back then Brighton wasn't as big as they are now because mm. Brighton was a bit of a smaller team back then. So I went through, they didn't have an academy at then. They had like a centre of excellence where like a development centre phases they had. So I literally went through all of those, um, trained with those, all those during the week while I had school. Then on weekend, I just played for my Sunday league club. And then that happened until they set up like a centre of excellence, which, which, which is what they had back then which is now is the academy they have because, because, because back then they didn't have the, I think, the academy status. They were just a centre because they're quite small right. back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's phases of like development. So I was there and then, yeah, and then I went through a stage and two again to the academy when they started that, um, which I spent a year, just over a year there. Uh, my brother was there with me as well because he was a few years older. So he was playing for Brighton together. And then, yeah, through there, Played for Brighton for a year. For me back then, I didn't know anything about. I just thought like you know about moving club. I didn't know anything, so I just mm. thought like just play for Brighton until you get the first team, and then from but there you, you, but can, you were still you like, around. But you were like relatively. I mean, you're still young now. You're 19 yeah. now, but before they were young, but like yeah, 10, 11. Uh, yeah, probably not even that. Probably about eight, nine, or probably be like yeah, eight, yeah. Nine so you're not just enjoying life. Yeah. So um, for me, like it was all about having fun back then because obviously um, because my my Sunday team was very like dominant. Were very strong, so um, part of that, and there were a lot of our players got called into this um center of excellence or this training with the brand. So, because of that, I decided to go with them because obviously, just kept the, the friendship together. So, we went all the way together there, and then through that, some of them signed for Brian, and we all almost like took that Sunday lead team together to the Brian. So, obviously, right. that's what kind of the the, um, the vibe we had there, which is like you know, it's like, almost like you know, it's something good to have when you're growing up playing with your friends, and then you take that kind of relationship to a bit more maybe. Back then wasn't serious, but a bit more of a professional level, you know, and mm. enough sort of being comfortable around that kind of group. So yeah, that's what happened there. Um, I spent obviously I spent a year there at Brighton, just over a year, and then I was doing well there, still doing scoring goals, making a lot of noise there. Then a lot more other teams started showing interest. Um, yeah, um, my brother was there as well, Arsenal together. No, Arsenal this time was at Brighton. Then mm. he ended up signing for, um, he ended up signing for Arsenal. They came in for him. But then around this time, they had like a, because I was quite young, very young at that time. They had like, um, they had like, a, their fate had like these rules where if you're this certain age, you can't travel a certain distance from where you're based. So it just reduced the like, you know, traveling distance from like, you know, for a young player to go, which it's, is Brighton. It was the catch on, wasn't it? So FNC, yeah. Brighton were the only big club in the city. It's not like London where you've yeah. got eight yeah. or nine big clubs. You could, exactly. you effectively, you're only stuck in Brighton. So you had to yeah. move exactly. to get to Arsenal. Yeah, so exactly, yeah. So um, Arsenal was interested in my brother when left Brighton. I went and signed for Arsenal. And then um, I was still at Brighton. Then some other teams started showing interest. And Chelsea was one of the other teams. 
because Chelsea's a lot closer to Arsenal because Chelsea's Coburn is not too far from here. And obviously, like, when they found out, heard about me, and obviously they heard about, obviously, Arsenal's still interested, but the attachment area thing was kind of a bit far. So I wasn't really able to sign for Arsenal until the following year, even though they're interested. And then obviously then Chelsea came in. Chelsea came in showing interest, so they wanted to sign me with that. Then, so even during this time, I was still going to school and then I'll go to school to lunchtime. Then I leave school at lunchtime and I'll travel down to travel up to London um, with my brother. And um, and then obviously um, there's other people around from Brighton who was playing for Arsenal at the time, who I'm quite close to, the player called Charlie Gilmore, who was like him and his family was kind of a big influence of mine as well because we grew up kind of, he's a couple of years older than me, but um, I trained with him, I played with him, and his dad was like an um, important figure in kind of my footballing life. Um, so he helped me with that thing. His dad was an Arsenal scout. So when we were doing well, he was obviously he was getting a lot of attention from that. And he kind of pushed us towards that kind of direction for the Arsenal. So we go to school until lunchtime. We would leave, lunch, we would leave and then we go get changed. And then we'd get in the car and we travel over this London, um, East London, where the training ground is, Hayland um, in Wolfenstow. Um, yeah. And then we'd be trained. And when we finish training, probably be like eight, nine o'clock. And we drive all the way back. We get home from maybe midnight or just after midnight. And then so, next thing about, about yes. you still, still live in Brighton and play for Arsenal. Yeah. So how did you get rule. around the catchment rule then? So this is this this early phases. So this early phases, I was doing that kind of, I was doing that before. I was training because I wasn't, I wasn't officially signed at the time. So I was just training. So you and, could yeah. train yeah. even though yeah. I understood. Yeah. But so it's what, only when I, you signed with them, you had to move. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously that. And then, so I was training, I was training with them, doing that trip up and down. So I'll be, you know, leaving at lunchtime, go up there for training. Training would normally, normally be like at four or five. And then before we finish, maybe like seven, um, you know, seven, eight. And then we travel back with traffic sometimes. We get back at midnight, one. Then we go to school in the morning. That's so crazy. Like, but how did, you, how did you get your education sorted? Because you're what, 12, 13, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah? yeah. So you're 12 years old, 13. Yeah. Going to Arsenal from Brighton. You're leaving at midday. What about your, yeah. your studies? Like how that must have affected it, surely. Um, studies wise, I just took it. The school was aware of everything. Obviously, the normal football. So they kind of did everything to help out. So um, I just took all the stuff. So before I left the lessons, I spoke to the teachers like a week before, let them know what I've been missing out. Or what lesson so and that's coming to like break time and like you know speak to them before i leave um because we have like break time before lunch time so um i come and speak to them say like you know they tell me this is a lesson you'll be missing out on so this is the stuff work i need to do obviously but this was like primary school so there wasn't too much you know i mean it wasn't as crazy maybe secondary school as it was so so i could have got away with a few more stuff but at the same time i took the work with me in the car and i would do let like, some of the work i missed out then and i'll hand it in the next day Stuff like that. So that's what I did to almost stay on top of um, the work I did from primary school. Right. Okay. So, okay. You said that Chelsea were interested in you. Yeah. Um, who, how, how was that like? Because obviously you had a, a selection, you had a choice, either Arsenal or Chelsea. Yeah. Now, why did you choose Arsenal over Chelsea? Because the reason why I ask this is because obviously I, I don't know whether Arsenal was a club that you felt that offer you more or maybe because you saw there was a lot of foreign players at Chelsea in the first team you thought maybe they weren't too focused on their youth academy that being said yeah. Chelsea have had the thriving youth academy for, for many years so why yeah, Arsenal? Definitely. Yeah for me back then I wasn't really thinking that far ahead because I see I still really young so I never even thought about first team level or anything like that I just thought about going and playing and enjoying and having fun with my friends or like you know just playing and enjoying it so and then the reason why I ended up going to Arsenal it was the fact that my brother was already there 
and obviously my family wanted to keep us together because they didn't like me and my brother were really close and my family were really close. So if for them it made more sense that we both been going to the same club and being around each other to look after each other with the best decision. Personally, for me, I wanted to go to Chelsea, like, you know, but I don't regret going to Arsenal. So, but I enjoyed being at Arsenal because I was around my brother the whole time. Me and him were really close. So when we went up there, we travelled up together and along with, like, like a player I talked about, Charlie Gilmore, who's from Brighton as well. Um, so we all just went together. So it was almost, like, a lot more easier to... I had someone there who I already know and having my brother there made it a lot more easier. And then having been able to, like, keep the family together, it was, like, was, that's one of the main reasons. It wasn't maybe anything else. Charlie Gilmore, if I'm not mistaken, didn't he go on loan to Norwich? No, yeah, he was he was at Arsenal for many years. He was, he was yeah. on, I can't remember how many years, but he was there forever. Like you know, he was part of that really successful Arsenal group with like you know played with like you know Joe Willock, Chris Willock. Yeah, Mark, yeah, yeah. That did that kind of group. Um, yeah, so he was at Arsenal for many years, then ended up leaving to go into Norwich. He went to Norwich, where then yeah. he went alone um, to Holland. We played a lot of games Telstar, there, right? Telstar, 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 yeah. yeah, he's Telstar. not related to Billy Gilmore, is he? Um, no, he's not related to Billy he's Gilmore, not because no. I, that's sometimes yeah. because Billy Gilmore was at Chelsea and he's on loan at Norwich and he went on loan yeah. in Holland. I'm thinking, yeah, because yeah, your mate is in, yeah. he's at St. Johnson now, isn't he? Yeah, St. Johnson now, yeah, where he's doing really well, yeah, playing every so, yeah, they're okay. not they're not related. Okay, let's just yeah, <laughs> all right, so you get the offer to join Arsenal, yeah. Right. Who was it? Was it Kwame Ampadu that was a, a coach at the time? Um, no, Kwame was, I was. I met Kwame later on down the line. Um, but he was under eighteen coach over them years. But I met right. him when I got close to the under eighteens. Obviously, with under fifteen or sixteen. But um, but then I can't remember who the coaches because we like you know we were so young. Sometimes we have different. Obviously, we had a couple. Sometimes have different teams. Mm. So that's where it was. So like sometimes like we didn't have a proper coach until maybe I think under ten, elevens or like that, like that. But I don't really. It was a long time ago. I don't remember who, what coaches. I tend <laughs> to remember. Course. I tend to remember the coaches like uh, where, like you know, proper important years where like, under 15s, 14s, and 16s, because they're the they're the big decision where you have been around with the coaches, right. understanding stuff like that. But like you know, so around that time, um, um, the person who actually kind of looks after me the most was there. Um, was a man called Roy Massey. I'm not sure if you know them, but he was like um, he basically did everything for the club at the time. Mm. Was like head of um, basically everything. He had every title. And at the same time, when when Arsenal did decide to sign me and they moved me up to London to live with the host family, um, he made, he organised everything. And then when I was up there, he was almost like a father figure to me at the time because I was living away from my parents. So anything I really needed, he was there getting picked up from the station mm-hmm. when I travelled up, taking me to the training ground, sometimes taking me from the house to, to school, after training back to that, to Dick's family I was staying with, he did everything. So obviously he was a, another big factor in my obviously early, early years, which I still keep in contact with him now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's good, man. But tell me something. Um, I know you're a very, very religious guy, yeah, and you practice Islam. So, have you been uh practicing it for many years since you were a kid, or is this more like a, a gradual thing as you've been getting older? Because the reason why I ask is because when you're young, I know you're still young now, crush your 19 years old, you like you're in your 30s, but you know, when you're a teenager and you're going through that, that you know, those years where your, your testosterone is getting high and you're, you're growing as a person, yeah. it's difficult to, you know, to, to do the, the religious rituals, like you're fasting and all that kind of stuff. So you as a youngster yeah. going all the way up to Arsenal and yeah. being placed with a family, which I'm just assuming aren't the same religion as you. Was it yeah. difficult to kind of, you know, do, practice um, your religion? 
for me, it wasn't really difficult because um, I grew up. So luckily for me, I've always been a Muslim for me. So obviously I grew up around a Muslim family. My whole family, we would be all, my family's really religious. I, like, I would like to say that. I would like to think that as well. Um, so I've been practicing it for since young. So it was almost like kind of almost normal to me what I did. So wherever I went, I took it with me. Wherever I was doing, I always like, you know, put it first. So I wish it kind of helped me with my football situation and everything. And then what really helped as well was that Arsenal and the host family as well, they, they were really understanding of the of um, of my needs and they were really open to everything. So whatever I needed, they were provided that and any space. So for me, it, wasn't really, never, it was never a problem at all. And the family I stayed in London, they they like, you know, they understood everything. They basically treat, treated me like their own. And even to this day now, like, I'm still in contact with them. I still like to see them whenever I can and all that kind of stuff. So we've got a good relationship with them. I can pick up the phone and call them whenever. And they would answer like same as them. They can call me whenever. Oh, that's brilliant. So that kind of relationship I have with them. That's great to hear because, you know, you, you do you do hear about some really tragic stories. And I remember yeah. talking to Steve Walters many years ago about his experiences being um, abused by his, yeah. his coach. Yeah. Now, I'm pretty sure that doesn't happen as often as what it used to. So you come it going up from Brighton without your family, living with a family that you don't know. Obviously, the club have done their due diligence and and seen that they're a good family that you and you still talk, keep in contact with them, which is absolutely brilliant. So that's that's great to hear. But um, you join Arsenal. Um, you spent six years there. Yeah, six six very enjoyable not, years. A lot longer than that. I was there for eight years. Eight years. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of Wow, I thought it was six for some reason. Okay, okay, eight years at Arsenal. Wow, okay. So you've gone to the club and you've seen so much. What can you tell me about the facilities? And the reason why I ask this is because we hear so much about Cobham. We hear so much about how Arsenal's training ground and everything around there is, is top notch. You know, we hear about Wenger back in the day when he found all these younger players and you know, found them from absolutely nowhere. And even the youngsters that brought, like Fabregas, they found him from the Barcelona yeah. Academy, but they brought him in and he's developed, etc. So what can you tell me about the, the facilities at, at the training ground? Um, when I first went to Arsenal, the facility wasn't really anything. They were kind of basic. Um, but then kind of, obviously, the, the way Arsenal was, was kind of a bit more old school. We had Liam Brady as the head of academy. Obviously, he's a massive figure at the club. And then, yeah, so he's a, he's a bit more kind of old school. And then everything all the whole, from the building, everything was old school, but the pitch was like top class. We had a lot of pitches there, a lot of like age group was training there. And then, um, but obviously for me back then, I wasn't really too frustrated by it because it's just the fact you're playing for Arsenal. You didn't really worry about anything. But compared to everything else I've been to, those Phillips facility was amazing. You know, so like, but then that was it. And then as, um, as the years went on, Arsenal did invest a bit more money into the academy, which like which really shows now as Hayland is like I think one of the best. And the pitches, they reduced the number of pitches with more quality pitches. And obviously we have a more before before like before before football, there wasn't really much more um um emphasis on the gym's part of football. So it was basically train and then go home. What's it now is more on the gym emphasis. So we had they built a whole new gym, everything like that. Change room has got better, um, a lot more change room. Everything we had the games room in there. We had like a way to watch the video replay analysis, everything like that, which we didn't really have before. So obviously that progressed over the years because um, there's a lot of change within the Arsenal technical staff as well. Um, so that was a yeah. So everything changed for for I, I was lucky enough to see the progression of it from like you know for what it was originally is and to what it is now. 
So when do you think it changed? Do you know roughly when it changed? Like, did anyone um, come in and you thought, ah, you know, this is why it's all changing because this person's in? Um, I'm not, I'm not sure 100% why it changed, but um, we had that phase where Liam Brady was no longer the academy manager. And I this think it's like 2014. Down. I think it's 2014. Um, might have been, might have been. And then we had like uh, the era where we had Andrus Jonker. He was he was part Dutch of the Dutch like. national team yeah. where he was he was assistant manager to the Dutch national team. And then he bought his team in and they were all based from Holland. And obviously that experience from national team in Holland and from working with Barcelona. So they came in with a different kind of style. Similar, obviously the Arsenal philosophy still remained the same, but of different way of teaching it. And then I think with that came along with what the few more demand they wanted to do. Honestly, like we had a few more restrictions of it because we didn't have the facilities for it, which might have been because they were, they were, they were like, um, there were a big emphasis on detail, detail and everything. So, and then back then we didn't have like a replay analysis to, room to watch the videos and stuff like that. So, and obviously that, that might hampers the development they were thinking about. So now I think they came in and they wanted that kind of emphasis for us to rewatch our games, show the little details, watch the mistakes, learn from them, and even watch the good part and like, you know, like do more of it. So I think that might have been the reason. I don't think it would be, it might not be the 100% reason, but it might have been because obviously I felt that um, the Dutch takeover, they they were like, you know, detail was really, really important on everything, whether it's communication on the pitch, um, communicating with the teammates, everything like that, whether how you play, how you play a pass, the supporting runs you make, everything like that was really important. So having, having, having to watch that back allows you to take the details in, allows you to watch back and maybe like, you know, you might look at a pass you did and you think, oh, maybe that was the wrong decision. Maybe someone else is better or maybe that was the right decision, but I should have maybe put more weight on it, stuff like that. So I think that might be the reason why the, the facilities have to improve in order to take the academy to the next level of development, I feel. Well, that's brilliant because you know not many people know about what goes on at academies unless you know yeah. listen you, you can you can watch Twitter and you can go on YouTube and see oh the next starlet and they'll show you highlights yeah. of games and whatnot but you don't know what happens on the training pitch every day we hear about drones being used these days we hear yeah. about you know heart monitors and GPS and all that yeah. kind of stuff yeah so you were basically at Arsenal who let's be 100% honest they were one of the founding clubs who used technology. I remember Wenger coming and changing yeah. the diet. So he's, he's using technology. So in terms of clubs in the Premier League, Arsenal were one of the first to do that. So you were there to see yeah. that evolution. Now, yeah. obviously, you being young at the time, you're not, you weren't too foreign to, to technology anyway. So I don't think it was a big deal yeah. for you guys. But from um, a tactical and a developmental side, were you and your teammates encouraged to perhaps ask questions? Because you mentioned the Dutch fella from, you know, who worked for the national team. I've spoken to people who have, who've played at Ajax and they told me that at youth level, they were encouraged to ask their coaches questions like, why was I playing there? Why have you asked me to drop deep? Why have you asked me to challenge? But not in a yeah. disrespectful way. Were you given the opportunity yeah. to do that as well? Yeah, Arsenal, that was one of the biggest factors, I think. I think that's what one of the biggest things that makes Arsenal one of the best academies for producing players was that kind of reason. They allow you to ask questions. They want you to ask questions. That's what they always say. Like, there's nothing, there's no wrong answer. If you think you saw it, there's always like room to ask questions, room for errors, anything like that. So if you're unsure about anything, ask all the time. So I think they really, really emphasize on that. Whether you're on the pitch, like so you want to ask a question quickly or whether it be like, you know, after the game, or something you don't understand. It's always that like, when you ask, that's the only way you can improve. It's the only way to learn. So I think I, I, I felt I took that kind of 
on board a lot, which I still take it to now wherever I go, which I took to Burnley with me, which I felt like, you know, asking questions, the best way to like, you know, improve yourself and knowing exactly what you're doing wrong and what you, what you need to improve on. And also like, even if you're doing something right, there's nothing wrong with asking questions in order to take your game maybe to that bit more, like, you know, that next step. Because as footballers, you know, there's always the next step. Doesn't matter how good you get or how, how doesn't matter how you good you get or how much you improve. There's always another level you need to strive to get better. And that's what the thing they always had at Arsenal. And with that, always started with asking questions. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Now, <laughs> you're going to laugh at this one. You've got, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you've got a lot of uh, former teammates who've now broken through to the first team. Yeah. Um, but can you think of any stories about these players, perhaps when you were growing up with them? And perhaps little embarrassing anecdotes that you know they might not forgive you for. <laughs> um, there there will be a, quite a few, but obviously I don't wanna, I don't want to bring them out. Some of them are a bit too, you know a bit too private. And that's why. Well, they, which which players did you which players did you play with at that level then? Which um, I played a lot of players. Luckily for me, I've been able to play with a lot of world class players at academy. So um, one of them was obviously was a mate, Lousy's. Spearheading Arsenal in the right, hopefully the right direction now, which is Bakayo Saka, who's the main player there. Who I played, with. he was my age group at Arsenal, so we played together all day through the academy system. And then um, a lot of the teammates who are who I came up with at Arsenal, some of them are all now scattered around the league. So obviously they moved on from Arsenal and they're doing well for themselves. The likes of um, Armstrong Okoflex, obviously he's at West Ham now. He went from Arsenal to Celtic and now at West Ham doing really really well. And then we had the player called Josh Martin. He went from Arsenal to Norwich. He won promotion with Norwich last season. Now he's a loan to um, MK Dons. Um, we had obviously other players still in the football system. We had like Matty Dennis, he's at Norwich. He's a very, very technical player. Very, very technical. He's looked out for him in the few years to come. Um, um, Stan Flatterty, he's doing really well at Newcastle. Pretty much literally the whole team. I can just sit here and name a lot of names and literally they're all doing really well. Those, just, those are just the names within my age group. And obviously then I, got, I was lucky enough to play up age group as well, been involved with old age group. So I played with like the um the Xavier Michis. He's at Hamburg, he's at Hamburg now, who's a learn now I learn at um at Bolton. Um Tyrus John Jones is still at Arsenal now. He's a learn at um Blackpool. Um Vontae Daly Campbell who's at Leicester now breaking and doing really well. Um I was lucky enough to play with Reese Nelson when I played a couple of years above with my brother Reese Nelson's my brother brother's age group. So obviously sometimes he my brother's two years older than me. And sometimes I was doing so well, they pushed me up for two years up. I'll be on the bench with them. So I've been lucky enough to play alongside with them. Um plays I played fullback behind them, which is like a different learning curve for when you play up. Because sometimes when you do play up, the only way you can get into a team, you can't get into your position. You have to get in another position where they think you know you might develop a bit more. So uh, that position was for me, they put me as a fullback. I was playing right back behind Reese Nelson. At the same time, that same age group was with um, Emil Smith-Rowe. Obviously, he's at Arsenal now. And then who was around the change room as well, like who's a year older than them was Joe Willock as well, who I, I didn't play games with, but obviously he was around the change, like facilities, training ground, all them kind of players. And then, yeah, just the silver. He's at Brentford when the lead players there. Um, so I can just, like I said, I can just sit here and list so many names. There you go. <laughs> Convey a bit of talent. Like, Convey a bit of talent. <laughs> yeah, well, look, you, you mentioned um, Saka, the, the first name that you mentioned there. And yeah. uh, you saw what happened in the uh, European Championship final. Yeah. Um, many people were saying 
he really shouldn't have been taking the penalty because of his age, because of his inexperience. Yeah. But on the flip side, he showed a great amount of bravery to, to step up and take it. And to be fair on the lad, um, they haven't, the media didn't destroy him. You know, yeah. they, did, they did it with Beckham, but they didn't destroy the lad. And I think that that's great. And that just shows how we're, we're slowly, slowly moving uh, forwards, you know, in terms of, you know, treating players like human beings. Uh, yeah. But when he missed that penalty, what was going on in your head? For me, like, I think this, it might it might be typical, like, um, for me, like, even before he had took, when I saw him lining up, um, like, probably the same thought for every black person watching that game. I just felt like, you know, if you don't score, what happened, exactly what I expected was going to happen, you know. Uh, if you scored, everyone went crazy. I would have been probably screaming, singing, like, like everybody else. But I knew if you, if you missed anything happened other than scoring, that same result would happen. So that kind of really almost like, I wasn't prepared for it, but I was expecting it, you know. So that's what I kind of felt. So him stepping up showed like, um, I was a bit like, you know, like everybody else, I'm saying, oh, Bakayo, I knew he would step up already because that's the character he has and that's the type of player he is. He never shies away from the big moments. And he's always been like that since the academy. He's always been like, you know, he wanted the person, he wanted to be that person who makes the decision, like, you know, change the game. And then for him stepping up doesn't surprise me because that's he's always been like that. But obviously the outcome of it, from Love the Racist Slam point of view, I can't already anticipate it before, long before he even took the penalty. Yeah, and it's sad. It's very sad because, you know, I remember tweeting the moment he missed it. And I was like, you watch Sancho, Rashford and Saka, they're going to get it. They're going to yeah. get it. It's not going to be the other players. It's not going to be the players that couldn't put the ball in the back of the net, you know, yeah. over 120 minutes. I know Shaw did, obviously, but the chances yeah. that England had, they, they, they weren't going to go for him. They were going to go for the three black kids that missed penalties. And that, that's just yeah. the state of where we are at the moment. And we saw last night with Hungarian yeah. fans um, make monkey chants at Raheem Sterling. And I'll tell you what, the England players really rallied together. And yeah. um, you know, that, that was great to see. Absolutely I, I, really, love, see. I really loved that. Because obviously, like, obviously, a few weeks back, we had the scenes that was in Marseille. We had the scenes at Marseille where, like, you know, obviously that the fans get involved and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Where I, I was so like, you know, the unity between the England squad, which you, you can see now building up from the last couple of um, international tournaments. It's kind of building up and the players are, you know, mentally stronger, which has been led by like Sterling. Obviously, he he could have reacted the way he's over there, which is like, um, we could have reacted in any way. He could have did what happened in Marseille, where he flicked out, threw it back in them, and that would have caused even more chaos. But he decided just, you know, focus on his game and then like, you know, do do what he does best by, you know, ignoring them and, you know, proving a statement in other ways rather than fighting them, but by showing like, you know, support by and then the way the whole team got around him which is even more better and then the way the mockery of obviously they showed that by mocking them the racism which that showed with the, that shows a perfect example with the four nil win you know so i think like you know that was just yeah. a perfect way to you know like you know react for that with that kind of bad situation 100 mate all right um one more question on arsenal um were there any legends around the club at the time? Because I know various clubs have got big profile players in and around the the club, be it, you know, just as an ambassador or someone on a training pitch. Was there someone there or were there people there that you, you looked up to and were able to give you advice? That's, that's important as a youngster, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, through when I was coming, from, when I was at the academy, I had the opportunity to have. We had we had sometimes had a lot of first team players that come down. Sometimes takes a couple of sessions during the weeks. So we had we had Jack Wilshere coming down. 
which obviously like, you know, at that period he was like a what he, he I think he's still a world class player. Um but then like, you know, the way I'm looking at him, because obviously as a midfielder myself, and then looking at him and then what he did against Barcelona, you know, all the media that we still talks about now. And I think he's still a world class player. So having him coach us was like for me it was kind of a really big thing. And then from that as well, we had Thierry Henry coming down and he was coaching our team for a couple of weeks. Um and then that was like a, that's an even bigger thing because you know growing up and then you see those players on TV and you see like what type of legend he is at that club and then like you know and having him just around and he and he was a type of player that would like you know get himself involved in the sessions and he would also mess around trying to you know and you can still, still have the quality. Did back you try and nutmeg him though? Did you try and nutmeg no, him? No, I, I didn't try. <laughs> you, couldn't even, you couldn't even get close to him. Like when he has the ball, you can't even get close to him. So so he was making other players and I just made sure I stayed away. I, mean, I didn't want to be that victim. So I just thought, you know. And then we also, yeah, back then we also had um, uh, Mikel Ateta at the academy before, obviously, he moved over to Man City. So we had him when he's, I think, he might have been doing his courses, but, but you know, we had him doing, helping us out in the training ground, which is like another a big thing. Obviously, he was a midfield as well. So for me to learn little things like that or little details from them was kind of a big thing to even just add to my game at that stage and even sometimes take on now. Could you see him becoming Arsenal manager? In all fairness, I know he's getting a lot of stick, a lot yeah. of stick, and obviously it's a results business. Yeah. But what I've been saying to my friends, Arsenal fans, is that you need to be a bit more patient because, to be fair, yeah. on the guy, while he spent a lot of money this summer, most of his players are injured. Yeah, like, <laughs> most of his players. So how can he? How can he build anything? Most of, yeah. most of them on the. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's difficult. It's difficult. Even what what I'm going through right now is difficult. But obviously, like, um, it needs a lot of patience. Obviously, a lot of people don't have that patience. And then in the positive stuff, I like to look at it is like, even though obviously they're not doing where they're they're not they're not where they're expecting to be. But the way I look at it right now is that a lot of my I'm happy for them because a lot of my friends are getting opportunity. Where sometimes if a team is doing so well, those players are not looked at. They just brush the side, send them on loan, and forgotten about. But right now, those players who I played with, they're the people, they're the players that are leading the team, to obviously, hopefully to the new direction. And they're that, they are the right, the heart of it right now. So that's why for me, like the positive side is like they're investing more into the academy. They always did that, obviously, over the years. But now there's a, um, a bit, bit more like, you know, emphasis on it. I'm, I'm glad you said this because I hope people who are watching realise that, as you just said, Arteta was in and around the academy when you yeah. were there, when Saka was there, when Smith were yeah. all these players that are breaking through the first team, yeah, they were in the academy. So Arteta obviously yeah. saw them. But what about Maitland Niles? Yeah, Maitland Niles. I was I didn't have opportunity to play, with, um, be around him or play with him because he was a lot. So many. How old is he now? He was a lot older than me, so I never really got to see him through the academy phases. Because obviously we had the academy. The training ground was split into two training ground. Mm. We had the academy Hayland. Which was like from obviously the pre academy all it on the 16s. And then when you sign up for your scholarship on professional contract, you move over to London Corny. And that's where the 23s and the first team are based and the 18s are based. So when you go over there, you don't, there's not much inter, there's interaction, but you don't really tend to treat them too much where there's more focus on like the academy here. And when you move over there, because that, when you go to full time football, that's when you go to London Corny. And that's like, you know, in every single day, training every single day, where at the academy to on the 16s, you're in maybe three times a week and a game or sometimes four times a week. We had something called a day release where like one one day a week where you don't go to school, you come to the training ground and then you do like everything there. You have a lunchtime, you do spend like an hour and a half where you have a teacher who comes in and helps you with your homework and everything you're missing out. And then you, during the whole day, we train in the morning, do analysis 
and they would do training in the evening as well. So just to get the team a bit more close together, stuff like that. So I didn't, I didn't really have much uh, the opportunity to um, come across Midland now um, during my Arsenal time. No problem, mate. No problem. All right, so let's switch gears a little bit here because we've gone on for almost 40 minutes, man. <laughs> No, blimey. Crikey. Yeah. And I know you got gym in the morning. So um yeah, let's do let, let's do <laughs> let's do this as quick as we can. Right. So you've moved from Arsenal, you had trials yeah. at Milan, at Sporting, yeah. at Sampdoria, yeah. and then you ended up at Burnley. That's just yeah. random. Can you just yeah. explain the chain of events that happened there? Right. Yeah, a lot a lot happened that period because when they came when they came to the my last year uh, on the because when I got under 15. You, they either give you a two-year contract or they get, um, or they let you move on so they get the release you. So I was given a two-year contract from the 15th that took me from the 16th. And then during that kind of last two years, I was wasn't, um, I wasn't getting as much game time I was getting. When I signed for Arsenal, I was, I was playing a year above or, already. So I spent all my time playing with the older age groups until maybe on the 15th. And then that's when like we had a new manager there who who didn't really take too much liking to me, which I felt. And then, because when I was playing the year above, I was captain of the year above the age group. I was captain that side. And then came to a point with under-15s where went from captain to the, like the year before, I mean, winning stuff. We won like a tournament called the Nike, the Nike Trophy where we played at Wembley and we won that trophy. And then to the following year where I'm not in, I'm just on the bench. I have no involvement. And then where I was told as well, like, you know, I'm the youngest player in the team. And he doesn't think like it's right for me to be captain. It should be someone else with Zilowski, like that, all the senior players there. But I felt like I'm a kind of a mature player and the way I was, I felt like, you know, I am mature enough to be the captain. And I think that's throughout the year, that's why I was captain already for that age group. And then got down to 15, where I wasn't really getting too much game time as I wanted. And then, so, um, the under, the, because they are under 14s at the time, so I think on the 15s. So the manager of under 14s called me over, said, obviously, like, if, he wants me to play for his age, play for my age. We've come down and play for them, help them out in cup games. So that's how it started. So I thought, yeah, why not? Because obviously I wasn't playing there. I was on the bench. I just wanted to play. So I went, helped out my age group um, get in, in just tournament games, like, you know, cup games. So I played a few games, helped them out, doing well. And I kind of just really enjoyed it. Because this is my first time actually playing with my age group. They were there sometimes at Chengwood, but I never really involved them. So I really kind of enjoyed it. Um, enjoy being around them, playing game, you're winning together. And then just just the main factor, just I just wanted to be playing every week, being involved every week. And then yes, and um it went on to end of the season, I kept playing for my age group. Then that year, that following year, we had Freddie Lundberg as our manager. Our under so we moved on to the 15-16s. We had Freddie Lundberg as our manager, who obviously was an awesome legend. And then I think that's when I developed the most with him. And obviously, like he really, really helped me take my game from that that next step mentally and also like you know psychologically which I felt like you know like I think that's something that you need to give them credit for which is so many players so many players um or sometimes staff or coaches don't don't really do where he came in and he like he treated every player differently he wasn't just like you know you you're all the same players every player you give them a kind of different like you know way of coaching some players he needed to you know put his arm around them some players need to be a bit more like you know direct and straightforward with them and they're like you know so my example with that was um, had a period where I was up in London the whole time. I'll be, I haven't gone home for me. Normally I go home on the weekends. So I'll be in London for the whole week. I finish school on a Friday. We play sometime on a Saturday. After Saturday, I go home for Saturday evening. I stay Sunday and I come early morning for straight to school. So that's what we do. And then we have like a busy schedule where I've been involved in a lot of games. I've been, I've been training up with the old age group. I'm playing the games with them. So I didn't have too much time off to go home. So then normally I come back on a Saturday and I just stay rather than going home and come back up. I was too tired, so I thought I'll just stay 
in the, in the host line with the digs, they call it. Um, and he realized that I went, I went like a period of maybe like four, five, six weeks of not getting to go home. And then that really kind of affected me where like, because I, was, I wasn't playing that much game time as well. I wasn't getting the games I wanted. And he kind of saw that it sometimes kind of where I, I'm always had that bubbly kind of personality. I'm energetic, you know, always like changing your character. Changing the character, and he and he, he pulled me to the side. I wanted to talk to him about it, asking if everything's okay, like you know, telling me, like you know, if I need to talk about anything, like he's there for me. If everything going out, like you know, he said, obviously, knows the character I am, but I look a bit more down than I'm not, like you know, which is quite obvious for him. And then he said to me, like, oh, he, one week he came over to me, he's like, oh, Ishmo, this weekend I'm giving you time off, I want you to get it the weekend off, I want you to go home, see your family, and you haven't seen your family for a while, go and see your family, relax, recover. And then if you need more time, let me know. But then, you know, if not, I'll see you on Monday. So this was like, you know, gave me Friday. When I came in for training normal, expecting to train on a Friday. But instead, he said, oh, you take Friday off, take Saturday off, Sunday off, and see you on Monday. If not, you can just talk to me or whatever. So from that, me and him kind of um, got really close. And then through that, I think he kind of, you know, he allowed me to like, you know, really, really trust him. And through that, I just I just felt like, when if that's the, as a player, that's the best thing you can have. Where you yeah. have the manager, like you know, he wants the best for you, and you know he cares about you more than just a footballer. Because sometimes manager only cares about you if you're doing well. What what can he do with you if you're injured? He don't care. Next on the line, so he cares about the person, like not just a footballer, just a person behind the footballer as well. It's and, the man management, isn't it? It's yeah, the man management. Which also, like you know, for that, it just made me like want to work even harder for him on the pitch. I basically gave everything for him. I'll run through a wall for him in training, every, matches, everything. And then that kind of showed him my performances for him. So, like, you know, I had a really, really good relationship with him. And he would even games, you put pull me down, pull me to the side after a game, and he'd be going to me say, Oh, Ishmael, like, you know, like even little little things where people don't notice you saying, because I've been playing midfield and then our team was packed of superstars. Like, even at age, we call it superstar. Our team was packed with quality, where like <laughs> Bill, Bakai would go and get the goals. Um, Elfie Matthews, who's obviously another one, was at, um, he's at Crystal Palace now. Literally the whole squad, superstars. So they were there. So they'll be scoring the goals, making the noise and everything like that. And you come you come to me, put his arm around me and say like, oh, ish, that challenge you did there, or ish, that just just like positioning here to prevent that them from attacking or just intercepting it, keeping it simple. That was all from you. They don't see it, but I want you to know that I see that in your game. So because mm. you did that, that allowed us to attack. And then so, you know, from them, from countering their attack, you know, so obviously that was a really which I kind of start taking more notice into where because of, because of him saying that, I ended up going, watching the game over, watching the little details. And he was there when I did it and he was told me and he would highlight it with me and talk to me about it. Like, you know, this little detail here, like, you know, you just moving just slightly this side, it prevents him from thinking about that pass. Then it makes him turn back, maybe into like where the, where the pressure is, stuff like that. Or sometimes just, you know, just blocking the, blocking the line, passing lane. It's so simple, but sometimes you don't think about it. You don't realise it when you're actually, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, when you're watching the game, you won't realise unless you know football. Just cutting off a passing lane and just keeping the game on one side is to prevent the team from switching the play and opening the pitch up. And then now they're, in the, like, you know, they're playing against the pressure where you, all your bodies are. And then that allows you to give you more chance of intercepting the ball, winning the ball back and, you know, attacking. So mm. even little, tiny little things like that made, made me, like, you know, realise the, the little minor details and how important they were. And it really made me like, you know, appreciate my role a lot more. So see, cause I knew I wasn't all gonna be like guys gonna be going and scoring all them goals like everybody else. And I just felt like, you know, I just have to do this one job for the team 
in order for the team line you know, to take the the next phase on. Yeah. So you know, so he was a really, really big, big, big and uh, so obviously it was a massive influence on your career. And uh, yeah. is it was he a massive influence on your social media? Because you love your, your fashion, don't you? That's, that was Bloomberg. <laughs> of course, of course. He might have been, he might have rubbed off on being around there. <laughs> but yeah, he, um, I wouldn't know, but obviously like, you know, when he first signed, I can say this one, when he, when he first, we found out he's, he's our manager, obviously there's few rumours that's going around. And then obviously, you know, back in the day when he had that modelling shoot, that picture, in the, you, know, in the, mm. in the, you know, the picture I'm talking about. The black and white one, yeah. Yeah, that one there. That one's going around the change room, so everybody would have to laugh at that one. <laughs> I can give that one in there. So, and then the funny thing, when you walked in, you know, everybody put it away, and then you start laughing, it's out here saying, oh, what's funny, boys? Ask him. I know we wanted to say anything, so. <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. But see, this is the thing. I mean, I've spoken to numerous players from different eras, and they told yeah. me that when they were in the, the youth academy, it was a YTS scheme back in the day, right? And they yeah. were made to clean toilets. They were made to clean the stadiums. They were made to clean this and boots, all that kind of stuff. And they tell me, well, the youngsters these days, they, they got it easy. Now, did you guys have any jobs at Arsenal and at Burnley? Did you have to do anything like uh, that? No, um, you have that normally when you're going to scholar. So when you, because obviously when you sign your scholarship, you go into the full-time environment. And then in that full-time environment, you're the low, you're, you're the youngest age group within that environment. So you have the 18s, 23s, and then the first team. So the 18s are broke, broke up into like a first-year scholar, second-year scholars, and obviously the, then the pros. The pros are normally the 23s, first-year pros, and obviously the first team. So normally when you're first year, so your first year in, in that kind of environment, they give you like chores, stuff like that to do. But um because when I was at Burnt, when I was when I when I went under 18 football, I missed out the whole under 18 football. Obviously, that's when I did my ACL after under 16. Right. So I spent almost I spent around 16 months out. So I kind of skipped the under 18 the first year and second year. Go away year, with it, yeah. Go away with then it. I kind of got away with it. So unluckily <laughs> for me, mostly my brother used to tell me because he was at Stoke as a as a scholar and a pro there. Oh, okay. So he used to do the ice baths. So see, when he left Arsenal, he went to sign for Stoke as a scholar and a pro there. And then he used to do the ice bath for the first team, first team um, players. So he used to say, because obviously the building for the, I spoke the building where the first team were was on one side. The 18s were like on the other side. So after training, he has to go from one side of the building, fill up the ice baths, put them oh, the no. all the way across the other side and then put them in and then get them ready for the players to come out and you know, use the ice bath and then wait for them to finish then clear it and put it, then after clean them up and put them back. And then he would say like, you know, sometimes you'd be waiting there, it'll be only one player comes out to do it. Or sometimes like, you know, the player, no one comes out, but you have to just wait until just wait that, until it, yeah. in case that might won. Because like sometimes the player might be, they have a different schedule, so they might come out a bit later. So you, you just won't know. So you have to just always be prepared to do it and make it like, obviously like make it easier for them to come in and do the recovery and like, mm-hmm. you know, do whatever they need to do. So for me, luckily for me, I kind of <laughs> skipped yeah, go away with it. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to me about Burnley then. That what was that in comparison to Arsenal? Because we always get the the notion that Burnley are very, very um, old school in their ways. The facilities being poor, the style of football being dated. Can, can you dispel any of these rumours, or can you confirm that um, Burnley was like being a dinosaur park? <laughs> um. The rumor about this facility is, is is not is not true. The facilities are amazing. They're world class, yeah. world class, amazing. Pitches top tier, building top tier, everything top tier. At Burnley. Obviously, the, the the style of play you don't say outdated. But obviously, the new generation of the way they play, you might like to call it dated. But um, it's just 
depends. It's just another way of playing, isn't it? And that's another way of looking at the game, which for me, obviously, was like a massive contrast to what I've been doing over the last eight years I was at Arsenal. So all I ever learned was like, you know, get the ball, be brave on the ball. And obviously, I was asking we were taught the bravest player on the pitch is a player that comes to get the ball from the centre-back who's under, like, whilst under pressure. Because no one wants to do that and they lose it and they go and score. But the bravest player is that player who does that. And a perfect example is Jack Wilshere. That's why they kind of, you know, for us, when I looked at him, saw that. And that's, he did that like that. That was his bread and butter. Just get the ball, come in there. Doesn't matter who's pressing him. He'll get the ball com- like comfortably and just turn like we're confident, you know what I mean? So that's what I kind of, that's what I, I, I asked. That's what always drilled into me, being on the ball, confident on the ball, under pressure, get there, don't worry about pressure. You know, if you make a mistake, you learn from it, it's part of the game. If you do the mistake once, we do and do it, you will get the ball now, we make the mistake, then next time you know what you did wrong. Or if you don't do it, you won't know what you're doing wrong and stuff like that. So, and then you end up coming to Burnley, where obviously the whole style of play is a lot more different. The game is a lot more direct. I don't see like, you know, the way they get like, the style of play, they just get the ball quickly as fast as forward. Whereas Arsenal, obviously, the same thing, but it's few passes. Just Arsenal, we just tend to isolate teams in 1v1 situations. Because that's where we felt our strengths were with the wingers. So they isolate in 1v1 situation. Sometimes you might get fullback overlapping. Sometimes if not, let them do their thing, get the ball in the box, cut backs, everybody get around the box, stuff like that. Where obviously Burnley is a lot more like target man, get the ball up to a striker and you play off of him, get it wide. And standing the ball up because we lot got a lot of big players. Our team was similar to like the first team, that kind of kind of build where you have a lot of big players, a lot of energy around it, ball in the air, win your battles, and just be difficult to you know play against. Um, so it was difficult at first. It was really really difficult at first coming in with those running. They do a lot more running than Austria did at Arsenal. Where Arsenal, you know, I would I would go away with ten k. You know, <laughs> if I if I in Arsenal, <laughs> if I did ten k, I did ten and a half k in the game. I would have thought I put a shift in. I would have been so proud of myself. <laughs> I come to Burnley, that's the bare minimum. That's what they want to send about to be That's what I said about. I know as a midfielder, you're to get around, you know, wow. 11 and a half, 12K. So, see, that's a lot of difference in that kind of game time. Obviously, and then the other, other different thing was Arsenal, I'm used to, we were used to being on the ball. So, we to control the tempo. We dictate tempo most of the time, get the ball a lot. Well, Burnley, in some games, we where we won't, most games, I would say, we won't have the ball too much. So, our strength was like, you know, almost like, you know, the balls would be in the air and like sometimes, you know, fighting teams, making it harder for them to play like they want to play. So the contrast was very difficult. And then Ostia got... How frustrating was that for you? Because you're used to being on the ball at Arsenal, dropping deep, give and goes, one, two, yeah. spraying the ball wide on the diagonal. Yeah. But with Burnley, for me, it sounds like you're constantly having to defend in numbers and hit teams yeah. on the counter. Yeah. Um, it was it, At first, it was really frustrating. Because um, when I came in, I was doing what I was doing at Arsenal and I felt like that's what got me the contract. But then when I was in the club, it's kind of almost kind of changed. And then when I was doing that stuff, they, when I came in, they were praising me for doing that stuff I was doing, linking up players, playing around players, getting the ball, like, you know, from the centre-backs and do that kind of stuff. In This was pre-season time. And then when I, when we went, the season started, it was almost like kind of different. You know, it was kind of different what they, for. I felt like they knew what I was good at. And that was my strength. And then when now they're like, they wanted me to do something else, you know. So that was a lot more difficult trying to change something you've been doing, like almost like, you know, your whole career, then all of a sudden change it within a couple of months, which is really difficult. But I took the time to um, come early in training, speak to the manager about it, and then try and adapt to that kind of situation, which was one of the things where like, you know, spinning the ball in behind. And then before I would have thought like, you know, why am I doing that? That's what I first thought when I went there. Why am I spinning the ball in behind for? After the time I did it, I felt like, you know, I'm giving away possession. 
because as a midfielder, I want to always like, you know, don't be giving the ball away. Like, you know, stats are really important. And then forward passes, breaking lines, you know, pass completion, trying to keep it to highest possible around 100%. And then over there where I felt, spin the ball in behind, it was almost like a 50 50 ball. Or sometimes, like, you know, the keeper might come and get it. And I just felt like I was just giving the ball away. And that was when I didn't feel comfortable doing it. Um, and then, like, you know, then after a few months in, then I start realizing how, what he, why I did it, learn how to spin in behind, leaving areas where, like, keeper can't come out. And then just, the, the whole reason was for to turn the teams over because you know when you have a lot of constant pressure on you guys when you spin the ball in behind you make the other team face their goal so with that reason they're facing the other side now they're not attacking now they're defending so that allows your team to push up now high up the pitch so before I never really thought of it like that so see I felt like it was more like you know get out wide run off players one twos after you get people but this is like another way and another thing around playing to a striker and then being around him to win the second balls anything like that so that was a, the different role I had at Arsenal to um, Burnley was more like at Arsenal, they wanted me to start the attack. So centre back who get the ball, I had to come deep and get the ball and then break lines into the midfielders and to the front lines. Whereas Burnley, like, wasn't much of that. It was more the ball goes to the striker or go to the winger. I'm expected to be there for a second ball. So when the second phase comes, I'll get the ball and put it back into the game. So, you know, spinning. Recycling it, as they call it. Exactly. So that's really important. I mean, that's, that's the kind of same thing at Arsenal where when, when we were attacking, I was there just to stop the counter and then give it back. So keep, keep the pressure constant. But obviously Burnley was a bit more different where like, you know, um, I'll go through like a long period of pace without, without touching the ball. Because obviously like the ball's like, you know, moved a lot, ball's in the air, a lot of, sometimes might get scrappy. So that's kind of the main, main difference. And obviously it's a lot harder to adapt. And I think still like, you know, um, it's hard, but I feel like it's a learning curve you can take into your career because you never know, you might play for another team, another manager where the style is similar but they still want to play football. So you have to be able to adjust to both sides, be able to play the foot the way like they want you to play and change when he wants to change. So, you know, adapting to different situations. So what about the defensive element um, in, in comparison to both clubs? Because the one thing that, that grates me the most, when I see a goal conceded because of ball watching, yeah. that's, what, that's what pisses me off. When I see players not tracking runners, when I see players being dragged out of position when they don't need to. So what about yeah. the emphasis on, on defensive uh, play? What, what was it Burnley, like for you? Burnley, the whole emphasis on the whole, everything was about working hard, working for your teammates, running, running, running hard on the ground, everything. That's the whole emphasis. Like people used to joke around the club, like, you know, we're a running club. We're not a football club, we're an athletic running club. That's what you used to joke around with. But the amount of running we did in training, the amount of running we expected to do in games. And then, um, yeah, so I learned a lot um, in the defensive side, which I felt like I kind of good at already. That was one of my better attributes when I was at Arsenal. Um, so, but I learned even more now at Burnley, because obviously, like, crossing position where they, they even, they, what stuff I learned, which I never even really thought about in a game, where, like, you know, position yourself where, depending where the ball's been crossed, where you can, like, you know, where the chances of where the ball's going to land. So as a midfielder, you might, so if the ball's maybe a bit wider, wider than obviously let's say the corner flags on this side be a bit wider if you cross it there when they clear it what areas the chance of the ball's going to arrive because obviously they have a chart where the percentages of crosses from different areas where the ball's going to land so now you like got, a heat map yeah similar to that yeah so in your head now you see this so the players crossing the ball from really deep and it comes in the defender headers it where do you expect the ball to land where the light is. so you just position yourself around the areas where you can almost cover two three positions at the same time so you're just ready for that second part. And also when the ball's in a box, you just don't let the cutbacks. That's one of the things managers hate. 
if you don't do not lose your mind. Also, that's a big emphasis at Burnley. I think it's emphasis on every club when you're like you know tracking your runners and everything. But Burnley was drawed into we do not let anyone run past you. Whatever happens, you stick with them and you get there before him. Everything's on them 100 miles per hour. You have to play in 100 miles per hour, you know, all that kind of thing. So check them on the halfway line. <laughs> you have to do be smart about everything like that. Be smart in the game, you know, everything like that. So like it's a different style of play. Something you, you have to learn at some point. I'm just happy I kind of did it now. And I also have the two style of plays early in my life, early in my career now. And if it, if it needs be, I can adjust to different, you know, style of play. Yeah, you, now. you just answer my, my, my next question, to be honest, bruv, because I was going to say, like, you, you've kind of had the best of both worlds. You've got one yeah, club that's yeah. renowned for attacking beautiful football. And then yeah. you've got another one that's just, you know, rugby. Craft, you know, no disrespect, craft. yeah, but it's, it's craft, it's craft. But that's 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 the Sean Dash way. It's the way that, and do you know what? It's worked for him over the yeah. years, isn't it? You know, so yeah. they, they've I been relatively... I think, you know, um, there's ways of, the way they play, and if you mix it with, like, maybe Arsenal, the way they play. I, I like to look, you can't even say that as Man City, they put a lot of grafting. Even, like, um, Barcelona, when they're on the air, when they lose the ball, they had a five-second rule. We had that Arsenal. You lose the ball, five seconds, 100 miles per hour, you try and win the ball back in that five seconds. Everybody, whoever's near the ball, you're 100 miles per hour. If you can't win it, then you just press, drop back into the press. Obviously, like, I think, so, obviously, that graft and the technical ability, it comes hand-in-hand wherever you play. I think it was it all has to be there. But obviously, some teams might emphasise it, this style a bit more than the other style. So, I mean, like, it's, like, you know, it's, as a footballer, or as a footballer, having to work hard is just a given already before you have you have, you have any talent. So, that's 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 a given. But obviously, Burnley, they take that to the extreme. <laughs> and obviously, like, so, you know, <laughs> and then having to learn it now, it's perfect for me. So, now I'm 19 years old. I've been able to learn how to play, like, you know, how, how if I go to a team where they want me to get, get on the ball, be brave, keep the ball simple. I can do that. Break lines, switch the ball, all that kind. Of, I can do that. If a team wants me to get the ball, spin in behind, play into the striker, play off thingy, or be just be a player who's going to be an anchor man where just just literally sit there and just win everything that's loose. I can do that as well now. So you know, it just it just opens up your world, your knowledge, your footballing understanding a lot more than like just playing for one team. You know, so. Absolutely, man. The thing is, you you know, nineteen years old, eight years at Arsenal, two at Burnley. You've you've had trials at huge clubs. Um, yeah, so I didn't even explain that. Yeah, uh, and everything. So what happened when I got under sixteen? Obviously, like I wanted to leave, but also also at the same time, they didn't offer me a new contract. Um, on the sixteen level, so obviously, what they say, I got released pretty much. So, um, but during that time, even before I got released, obviously, I asked, I wanted to fly. You know, I told them about um, I want to go abroad. And also at that time, there wasn't many really players going abroad and wasn't, wasn't really heard of. I think that time was like almost like a process when Sancho was doing that. So, um, yeah, so I asked to go abroad because the reason, the reason why I asked to go abroad was in Arsenal in pre-season, we used to go on pre-season tours. So in the summer, we used to go to like, you know, Italy, Spain, Portugal, even sometimes went to Russia. We went to Russia on the pre-season tournament, Holland all the time, tournaments like that, where we play, play tournaments against literally the best teams. We went to Holland, played against Barcelona, PSG. Literally, it's like a Champions League. It's like a mean Champions League. It's crazy. Over maybe the course of a week or just a weekend, you get put in a group, you play, and then knock out and stuff like that. And I always felt I tend to do well in them tournaments where when we went to Italy, I won, like, you know, play of the tournament and that kind of thing. I played centre-back in games. I won defender tournament. And I just felt like I kind of really enjoyed that kind of environment and I tend to strive a bit more in those ones. And then, yeah, so when he came to 16 I thought, I want to try that because I thought, 
I did belt well there, I enjoyed it. So I want to you know, explore that option. Then during that period, um, Ace and Milan was one of the teams I was interested because I think I played against them maybe a few years back. And when my agent contacted them, they already had a bit of knowledge about me. So obviously they wanted me to come in and Arsenal gave me permission. I can go see my contract end, end in the end of the season. But Arsenal gave me permission to go and travel with them and train with them during the season. Uh, with the agreement, like, you know, if I would, if would offer me a contract after stay during the season, then move on. Um, yeah, so I went to AC Milan. So the team, three teams came back. So AC Milan, Sampdoria and Sport Lisbon. There were three teams that showed a lot of interest. So um, I started with AC Milan. I went to AC Milan. I spent just around two weeks over there. I went over there. Um, I, flew, I flew in like on a, on a Friday. I got in there Friday morning. I did my medical um, in that morning. I had a few complications in my medical, which obviously that's my first time ever doing a medical, so I didn't even know what line or <laughs> test and everything like that. So, um, yeah, I went over there, did that. And then um, I was in a hotel. In, in, in Europe, it's a bit different set up to England, where in England, all the full-time footballers, you get put into host families, digs. Yep. So you stay with a family or you stay with like maybe a house with a lot of players. Over there, they have like a, they have like a one building, like a club building, where all the academy players stay in that building, oh, almost like a hotel. Okay. Like right. a hotel. So in a hotel, we are staying with a few other players there. Um, downstairs like dorms, like isn't it? That's what they call them in America. Yeah, similar, dorms, yeah, similar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, the Ace of Lounge was literally a hotel. It was beautiful, like, it was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> he had like a That's where the fashion came from. See, it's, it's all starting <laughs> to make sense now. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, it was beautiful, Ace of Milan. And then, literally, you open your window, you stare at San Siro. Which was crazy, like, and that's that's one of my first time, like, when I was proper starstruck. I went over there, the, how big the San Siro was. I went there. Obviously, I've, I've been to I've been to Emirates so many times during my time at Arsenal. Been to many stadiums, but like the magnitude, how big it was, like, com- not even just like not the pitch, like just just how big the outside was compared mm. to like everything else. It's just so high, it looked like a spaceship. That's what came to my head, like it's just the shape of it was crazy. <laughs> and they're like, you know, and you open your window, you're seeing that in front of you. That just kind of almost motivates you. That's, yeah. that's where you want to be. And they're like, you know, when when there's game day, you can just see the fans coming in. You can hear the atmosphere from outside. And sometimes, like, we sit inside, there'll be like another game. Maybe Inter might be playing. Because I was like, AC Milan, Inter might play. So we definitely don't go to those games. So I'll be sitting inside, <laughs> be watching it on TV. We don't even need to put the sound on. You can hear everything from hear everything, yeah. the amazing, window open. Man. Yeah, then. Well, yeah, look, you, then... you mentioned that you mentioned the medical. And I know yeah. Milan are very, very good with. Um, making players last longer than they perhaps should, you know, because even yeah. players play until they're 40 at AC Milan. Do you know what I mean? So what was that, what was the medical like and what was the fitness regime like at the club in the time um, that you were there, you remember? Um, there wasn't, the medical wasn't really too, it wasn't too crazy. Just like, you know, general check on your health, like cardiac test, everything, like previous injuries, they test them areas if like, you know, like how's it looking, if you have anything, just to make sure you're fine. Because they want to sign a player or bring a player where he's got like a heart problem and then you go and then you get like, you know, something happens. Even if you do, they want to be aware of it so they can take the right actions for it, you know. And or if you don't want to sign a player who's got like a maybe an injury who's hiding or injury that he doesn't know about and he goes out there and gets injured on there, like, you know what I'm saying? So that's what I normally do. But then the, when I did fail my medical was um, at Sampdoria because I did my cardiac and my cardiac test. And then obviously I had a irregular heartbeat, which was like, you know, they were, it came up as well with, with the AC Milan one. Which was like they 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 experienced already, so they didn't really take a, a massive deal over it. They said they said like you know, Clarence Adolf, he's yes. one of the players. Yes. He had the same situation when he came in. 
he had like an irregular heartbeat, so he's sometimes heart doesn't beat into the rhythm. He might mm-hmm. do like a double beat and stuff like that. So obviously yeah. that was for them. That was like not normal, not what they used to. And as they were saying about like you know it's quite common in like you know West African athletes and stuff like that. So but like never is a reason for it. But it's not really a problem. But for this in Milan, it wasn't a problem because that Sadov who had a similar thing and he played for them and nothing happened. Mm. But then when I was Sampdoria, it was the first time for them encountering a player with that kind of situation. So that kind of went there like, I was meant to be there for two weeks and I spent the whole first week literally like, you know, the whole first week like rebooking the the medical because they were, they were worried. I went to do it mm. where the club does it and then it came up, like we flagged up. So I have, to go, I have to go to a private hospital then have to go to like, you know, like specialist just to make sure everything was okay. So that took up the whole week pretty much. You know, I'm just, I wasn't able to train them through us. So that problem uh, was, it didn't, it didn't become a problem, but just wanted to present themselves, wanted yeah. to know I'm okay, wanted to know like, you know, it's not nothing major. Um, yeah, so with the, with the AC Milan, I went there, um, and I went there like on a Friday, I did my medical, I stayed in the, um, in the hotel where the players were. And the following morning, they, I got calls saying like, oh, they want me to play the game on that Saturday. This is before I even met any of my teammates, anything. So we'll be playing the game in, in the morning against Juventus. Um, wow, yeah, so okay. Literally, literally Juventus. So, and then so in the morning, the bus came, picks up the players who live in the house, and sometimes picks up other players who's coming across over that areas. Um, yeah, so we went to the game now. We went we went there um, to Juventus train, training gardens. Like, like Primavera. Beautiful. It's beautiful. Mm. It's beautiful, man. It's amazing. And then... Um, yeah, I went over there. The manager, we had, they had a system manager who didn't speak too much English, but he played for Wolf, um, I think he said he played for Watford. So he spent a bit of time in English so he can speak a bit of broken English. And oh, then yeah. he was explaining to me, like, he was explaining his to name? me. Like, nah, I don't remember his name. That's a good name. So he was explaining to me, like, you know, the manager said, he wants you to sit, watch, watch the game. <laughs> so I was like, watch the game. Second, second half, you come and play. So he started saying to me, like, sit there on the bench. So on the bench, watch how we play, and then when you see how we play, come on and just try and play like that. Mm. So that's what you're trying to say effectively. So I watched them, I watched um the first half, then the man, then after they put me on the second half, they play like in that almost like a diamond in the midfield. So like holding I playing like the wide of the diamond. And right. then because obviously Arsenal, what I'm used to, I you know when when we press, we set the press up. So we we choose one side, one center back we press or like one fullback. We normally say like the person like the like you know. Let's say like a right back. Normally at that age group, you say like you know the left side centre back is always right footed. Right. You don't okay. really, you're quite, it's quite rare. Sometimes you have like a left side centre back who's left footed at that age. So sometimes Victor put we like to say victimise that person. So you let him have the ball. You let you let him have the ball. So obviously Landon, you force him on his weaker side. So sometimes you might make force him to make mistakes. So so I, I, I was used to that Arsenal. So when I came onto the pitch, they passed the ball to the fullback, and as soon as they passed the ball, I just pressed him. Like, you know, with intensity straight away. Mm. Like, you know, Preston, I won the ball back, played it forward. We almost scored from it. And obviously, all the other players looking around, like, you know, clapping, saying, good, good. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I felt like I got, like, a little buzz from it because they said, like, you know, I've done something good. And they're like, same again. They've got the ball, they're playing now because Italian football is a lot more patient, a lot more, I wouldn't say slow, but it's this slow to build up. But in the final third is when it gets 100 miles per hour and, and like, precise and detailed passing. So they pass the play again. I press him. Won the ball back and played it through, and we scored, got an assist. And then, funnily enough, the person who assisted was um, Danny Maldini. So he was the same age group, you know, Paolo Maldini's son. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So my first assist for Isabella wow. was Danny Maldini, who obviously now in the first team at 
um, AC Milan. So, yeah. Yeah, and there's the same thing happened again. We play in the play now and then we won the ball back. I, I got the ball dribble forward. We did a one-two, crossed the ball and we scored from it. Got two assists in that game. And then, like, you know, um, the play was, like, buzzing for me. We ended up winning the game 3-2. Um, and, like, it was, it was a crazy game. It was really, I loved it. I loved everything about it. The build-up, the whole, the whole everything. And then when so what came, happened? And what happened there, um, they offered a contract, um, AC Milan. And then, so obviously the agreement was if I was um, Arsenal's agreement permission to go and train with them, and then if there was anything comes out of it, I'll come back and stay through end of the season, and then I'll make the transition at the end of my contract. But then during that, when the, during the speaking page, they offered a contract, and they're speaking now between Arsenal about the agreement on everything out of the contract. And then during that process, I was training to keep fit, get ready to to go. Really, my agent told me like, listen, AC Milan offered a contract, just be fit, be ready to go. And when the contract runs out, so now it's between the two clubs to negotiate whatever they need to negotiate. So you keep training, keep sharp. So I was just training, keeping sharp in like, you know, pre like just before pre season, right in July time, June, July time. And then just literally like uh, from a challenge, I just did my ACO, literally like a little knock. Like, oh, no. And then obviously, me and my agent, I mean, just on, at first we didn't know because I never experienced an ACO, but in your head, you know, when you do it, you know, you never experienced it through the pain, how it, how it feels, you just know it's an ACL. And then like, in my head, and then when I spoke with my agent, we were just saying like, you know, we don't know what it is, but I don't have the scan, so keep it quiet. It might be a little knock, you will see. But obviously when I had the test with Arsenal, having to check it was, and then they just, they went and told us behind our back. Like they told us in Milan, when they negotiated, say like, oh, it's more than I've done his ACL. Potentially like, you know, it could be, you know what I'm saying, it could be done. It could be like, you know, like the season over. Before even this started, so you know, and during that time, so I went to I went I went to AC Milan, I went to Sampdoria, um, I went to Sport Lisbon, all that all them teams, and they obviously Sport um, AC Milan was the team that offered the better contract, and obviously that happened. So the experience at Sampdoria, when I went there, it was complications where, um, obviously I took the whole week to do my medical, had all that had to keep changing stuff like that, and eventually after the week, I, they all came off fine. Then I was meant to be only there for two weeks because this was like a process when I did my GCSEs. So I was only meant to be there for two weeks. So I, like, even the school like, literally just gave me time out just right. to go because they, they're aware of a football situation. So I was just doing my... I, was, I, I missed some of the mocks. So I was catching up in the plane, catching up in the taxi to get there, catching up in my room, everything I was doing, doing all my exams, like, you know, everything, doing my revision wherever I could. And then when I got there, um, I was training um, during the day with the team. Um, sometimes I train in the evening. Um, could have like the Paramavera team. The Paramavera is like like the 23, but obviously their league is a bit more different, where it's like more competitive than our league. In 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 not like in quality, but in more like how the team how the league is set up. Where our Premier League two is more like a, a lot of friendlies at the end of the season. If it's Premier League two, like you win this, but over there is like relegation and promotion, which obviously cut two is lighter, but it's not as you know I'm saying it's not as competitive as they are. And then obviously, because if you win, you go. If you relegate, it's, and they take it really personally over there. So I played for the Primavera team, doing really well. And they're like, yeah, Sampdoria is a beautiful place, by the way. If you've never been there, you have you know, walked you know, Yeah, yeah, you know, I've heard. Cheers, you know. The training goes like in the mountains. So they have, like, they have their pitch on the corner of the mountain. So one stand faces the mountain. So if you play center back and you have to play the ball, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> you don't go fly into someone's house. Like, literally, it's a massive drop-off. You can see the whole, like, you know, the landscape, the mountains and everything. So, like, it was, like, a really, really nice scenery there. And then, yeah, I went there, played, um, 
played a couple friendly games for them, did all right, did well, and then went to the next one, Sport Lisbon. Went Sport Lisbon, went to their B team um, over there, trained with them, was really, really good. Like, the crazy thing about Sport Lisbon, they had, they literally, the academy, like, they got players from everywhere. That's the first time I've seen that everywhere. When I went there, another player from Australia, was he like, we had the language barrier when I first went, because, like, staff couldn't speak English. So mm-hmm. another player from Australia, he was there, so obviously he spoke English, and he was signed. So just waiting for his international clearance. And then I was, li- I was in the room with um, a couple of the players who, there's one Colombian player, there's one Brazilian player, and there's one Angolan player. So, like, the mix was crazy. So, like, there's so many different kind of type of people. And we always had, like, an American player there as well. So, like, the mix was crazy. And then they called well, themselves, like, the world. That's what it's called. They have literally every, anything. They have everything yeah. on the, like, every corner of the planet. they got player in that academy. Yeah, bro, if you look at the, the players that have come through their system yeah. over the years, yeah. man, let me just go look at Ronaldo for crying out loud. Like, yeah. That's one out yeah. of many. So that's, yeah. a, that's a huge, huge club, from, from a, yeah. especially from an academy perspective. So you must yeah. have loved it there, man. Yeah, I loved it. But one of the things that kind of, not put me off, but one of the kind of consideration I was thinking about before I was going to, if I was to go there, because their team are really, really big, like, they, like numbers-wise. Like the B team, they have over like 30, 40 players in the team. So, like, you come to warm up. 30, 40? I'm telling you, bro, it's crazy. I've never seen it in my life. <laughs> Arsenal, our team wasn't big. We had, what maybe like, like, maybe 18 players. 18 players, and obviously we have younger players in the squad who, like, you know, who are doing well for the age group and comes up, stuff like that. But the sport in Lisbon had maybe, like, 30, 40 players. We'll be training. They have, like, a starting 11 who would know they're a starting 11 because the competition is, like, is there in front of you at an early mm. age. So, if you're not in the... You, people know if they're starting 11, the players know they're the sub players. The players know they can't get. They're the players that are struggling to get in the squad. So like the numbers are there. So you can you see they, they do everything together. The warm up, the technical stuff, and then they spend like half an hour doing rondo. Like I was loving it. Literally half an hour, forty minutes doing rondo, technical stuff, keeping the ball, and everything was literally like where we doing like a passing drill, which is kind. Of, that's when it kind of really struck me. Like we doing like a passing drill. Um, where Arsenal, it's all about speed of pass. So you got punch a pass in, sprint. Same as Burnley, punch it in, 100 miles per hour sprint. Obviously, the detail and everything like that, make sure it gets there, right side of the foot, like, you know, back forward, that kind of stuff. But they spoiled Lisbon, was more laid back. So I got the ball here, I'm pointing the ball in, sprinting, and the players are saying, calma, calma. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm thinking, the man just came to me, put his arm around me, he goes, Diallo, calm, calm, okay, calm. So I'm thinking, <laughs> what? So obviously, like, they, they're more like, you know, you focus on your pass, like, take your time and make the right decision. Stuff like that. So make sure it's good pass, weight pass. So it's just some bubble, everything like that, and just play smooth, everything like that. Which obviously like a massive difference to like other stuff. Yeah. Obviously, I kind of got to that. They make, they allowed me to like focus a bit more on my passes, take my time on everything like that, with that kind of thing. So I like that's another different thing in the Portuguese style of play. Um, yeah. So obviously that. Then after all that, um, obviously like I said, the AC Milan came with the offer, and then that Dima ACL. Obviously, fast forward that. I, then I left at the end of the season. When I did my ACL, I did it like a two months, three months at the end of my Burnley Arsenal contract. So obviously, then I wasn't covered. Arsenal said, obviously, that I'm not signing a new contract so they can't help me. So obviously, that was like kind of a disappointment. So I had to do my whole rehab on my own. Um, yeah, I did my ACL then. Um, um, first, I went with the NHS to see if what, like, you know, what they could do. Obviously, that with the NHS waiting list is quite long. So it was like almost like two, three months that I didn't get anything back, all that kind of stuff. Then um, what was it? Yeah, then then 
my family we decided if you can go pro, like you know private because like this is taking so long like obviously football I thought, like the longer we wait the longer the recovery is going to take yeah so when they're going private sorting that out and then luckily for me I had my good friend his name is Fiznik obviously you, you see that on my social media card I'll do all my training with him he's, he's top tier world class a Muslim brother as well and he literally he, he did everything for me helped me get back helped me with my he, I think was, I'm one of his first ACL cases so obviously he's also learning as well but the fact like you know he helped me come back in quicker than I could have been so it's like normally it's like at a club it's quicker when you play a professional club you're really quicker because you're there every single day and they're focusing on you you know you're like, you're, you've got a whole like program everything like that and then he kind of kind of tries to replicate something like that and then we try we can always kind of almost kind of like push the boundaries a bit and see what worked what didn't and with him wasn't for him obviously um, was been a lot more harder to get back from that injury and then when I came back, he made sure I was fully back rather than just letting me come back and going and doing it again. He gave make me do tests before my injury, see how what they were. And he expected me to beat those tests when I come back. So it wasn't like just getting them. I have to smash them before he lets me back on the pitch again. So it was like, you know, I spent almost like the whole year with him. We used to travel up from Brighton um, twice, three times a week to go see him do some training. And then when I don't see him, I'll be at home getting like text messages. Wait, this is what I need to be doing. I seen it like this, you know, doing these kind of exercises, all that kind of thing. And then, yeah, so eventually um, came came the end of the ACL, um, feeling like, you know, confident again. Luckily for me, which a lot of players get from the ACL injury, a lot of players normally have that fear in their head because, like, you know, when you have an ACL injury, you're always worried about it happening again. So for me, like, it was weird. I didn't, I didn't have that. I've, like, my first game back, I was playing for, I was playing for a local team here. Um, just to get some minutes, just you know, just like get get this run of things again, and then you know, so I went into a game literally like I came on at half time, literally the first one I did was go and run fifty fifty ball, go smash into a player, <laughs> literally like, and then my brother was looking at me like, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> just came back, so I was thinking like, you know, I'm just testing out, I'm just seeing if he's doing it. So like, you know, so I'm back me, at like, Burnley. <laughs> yeah, literally, I'm back. I'm back. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. So I ended up going to Sport Lisbon twice. So the first time I was at Arsenal before the, like, before the ACL. And then after when I came back from the injury, um, around that time, Sport Lisbon heard that I came back from the injury. So they were still interested. <clears throat> so I went over there in January in 2020, January 2020, before obviously when the COVID started hitting, before, before here. Um, so I went there, was training with the AB team again. Like similar thing, the team was the team hasn't changed too much. Some of the players left, but obviously similar things were still there. So I got kind of got a relationship with like a lot of their players. Same with like the East Milan guys, Sampdoria. I still have like a really good relationship with them because they were like really, really good guys. And they like, you know, they want you to do well. And they like, you know, like the different thing over there, whereas like the team bonding is a lot more close over there. Because the boys are living together, they're always together, the team's always together. They're almost like isolated in just the team, and they're like you're always together. Single day, if you're going to be going out, you go out together as a meal, as a team like that. So the team bonding is a lot more tight, I would say, than compared to here, where here obviously you'd be in smaller groups like that. So you have a smaller, tighter bonds where there's like the whole teams together, you know. Um, yeah, so I went to Sport Lisbon in January 2020. Um, I was training with them. Um, then obviously I was doing really well, playing really well there. And then obviously COVID hit. And then they said all the, all the foreign players have to go back to their countries until they then figure out what's going to happen. With everything, mostly me and all the other, a lot of the Australian guys, the guy from Colombia, all the other players have to go back. Then I came back and then I was training. I did like a, me and my brother started like a, a schedule we were doing. 
because we didn't know what, how COVID, well, like, when it's going to football's going to come back again. So we had like a crazy schedule, like a bit similar to like, not, not similar, but I pretty much, we took inspiration from Kobe, the Mamba mentality, where we do like a six to eight hour training a day, because there's nothing else you'd be doing. So, and then to, to, to make us more disciplined, we say we have to leave the house by five, we wake up at five, by six, we leave the house. So that's like one of the things to make us more disciplined. Because like with COVID, you, do, you could sleep into whenever, and then exactly. you can just chill. Yeah, yeah. So, you just want to be a bit more disciplined. So when football comes back, you can just go straight into a routine. So we'll be waking up at like five, six o'clock, we'll be out, we'll be going training. And then we'll be like, you know, we almost like replicate almost like a full day of training. But also you took it to extreme with six, with six hours. So we'll be out here working, yeah. everything, training hard, everything like that. And we just kind of repeat every single day, probably six times a week, have a couple of days off, all that kind of stuff. So like, that's what we kind of did. And then we did that through the phase. Yes, through the phase of like all the way down to maybe like a five, Five months period, four four months period. So obviously with that, you start. You know, what I'm saying you got like a rhythm going on. You feel fit, and then looking after your diet, you feel sharp, everything like that. So then when when the see when everything started coming back again, Burnley was interested. Obviously they heard like you know they've been looking at me since I left Arsenal, but because I was inside to anybody, I wasn't in anyone's book, so they couldn't find me in the football system. So obviously they said they wanted me to come in, everything like that. But during this time, um, I had a couple of teams in Italy interested. Um, yeah, so I, I, at that time, I didn't want to go abroad. I didn't want to stay in England. I still wanted to pursue my opportunity abroad all this time. Then, um, yeah, so, but obviously, like, remember, Italy was hit the worst at the time, wasn't it? So that yeah. was kind of, my family was saying, like, you know, you can't even go there at the moment. And my head was saying, listen, I'm not going to Burnley. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going abroad. That's my, I'm not staying in England. But mostly my family was speaking to me saying, listen, like, go see Burnley, go see these teams. They're interested. If you don't like it, you can come back. And then hopefully by then, maybe the situation might change. So I thought, you know what, yeah, let's go and see what Burnley's like. Because like, I never played them before our youth level. I didn't know too much about it, um, stuff like that. So I went over there. And then after a week, I did well. They offered me a contract. And then, yeah, and then, yeah, so I spent that year there. And obviously, Burnley's time wasn't, wasn't the best. Obviously, I wouldn't say it wasn't the best. I met some good people there, really, really, well, who I'm really close with now. Like Connor Barrett was like, oh, my, my bro. When you say my bro, me and him were in it together for everything. We had the same experiences the whole year. We were like, we were living together as well. So we had the same schedule. We had the same, the emotions that was flying around the house was crazy. So we kind of <laughs> knew what we were going through. And it was like we were there for each other. So you know, yeah. football sometimes it can, you know, it can be difficult, especially when you're going through like a phase where you're not playing and they're like, you're not in the squad, you're not getting the chances. Sometimes you need someone there, like in a kind of similar situation to, to like you can talk to about, or you can, sometimes banter the situation about, you know, to make it a lot more easier. And luckily for me, I had Conor Barry and Conor Barry was a Leicester before. So he was a Leicester for his whole career. And then obviously he came then, he, he's similar to me, he came down to Burnley and signed there. So she like, he's got a kind of similar shock to me as like playing football like this, like that. All of a sudden it's switching, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, but me and him were quite close at Burnley. And then Burnley was, a, was kind of difficult, obviously start anyway. I went over there, signed. I was really, really looking forward to that season. Um, even the manager, all the staff were really excited. We're talking to him about it. A lot of the staff were really worried about my ACL, even when I signed. So they wanted, they all came, to, they all came to watch the first game. They were telling me like, you know, um, they want to watch, they want to see like, you know, because some, of the, well, there's one of the um, head of academy. He put a lot of work in to get me in the club, and obviously he was saying to me like, you know, like he wants, obviously not putting pressure on me, but he wants me to do really well because other people who was questioning about that knew about. Being a player, even though I come from Arsenal, but I've been out for two years. I'm still the same player. 
might like you know they, there's no question. Prove yourself. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. It's like always been like that. Even coming back from injury, I had a lot of question mark about me. People were talking, say, "Oh, he's finished. A lot gone." Even some of my teammates are asking because obviously that I've been out the game for two years. Therefore, like you know, that's me done. And they obviously oh, me and Arsenal were quite honest with each other. So obviously they can banter around it. And then when I when I came back, obviously the country they were really happy for me and stuff like that. So yeah, and then I played the game against Newcastle. Played really well. Did really well. And the staff were really happy. The head of academy was saying like, you know. He's so happy, like, you know, I did it in front of all those people. And then, obviously, it was weird, literally, from then, playing really well in front of everyone. And <laughs> it didn't make sense. To the start, suddenly, I'm next game, I'm not in the squad. So, after playing really well, doing really well, and they're like, you know, every praising me, next week, I'm not in the squad. So, I'm just confused now. So, I'm just saying, like, oh, okay, a new style, new everything. Let me go back to training, work hard, prove myself again, do everything. Went back to the training pitch, worked hard, all the training, did all the everything I could do. Like, obviously, they always said in Burnley, like, you know, they want the whoever run the most who play. That's what they're saying. Because they want you to cover distance. So I make sure in training, I'm always up there with the highest distance covered, working hardest, everything like that. So that part, they can't say I'm not doing. And obviously, like, on the pitch, football-wise, athlete, I take care of yourself. And I also came and worked on the light like, the ball, spinning in behind, the long ball into the space, all that kind of stuff in it. Being around the areas where they want me to. I worked on everything like that. All that kind of thing they're telling me. And then... Um, and then I had the following week, I'd be on the squad, I'd be on the bench, wouldn't come on. Then also, yeah, then I was thinking, like, you know, what's going on? Like, I feel like in training, I'm doing really well. Come to the games, like, you know, I'm not getting the chance. And then the, the game I did play, I played really well. So um, I'll come in to speak to the manager, ask him, like, you know, just like, like I said, Arsenal, I've been drilled talking about asking questions, you know. Like, it wasn't like asking questions, disrespect, questioning him. It was more like asking him, I went in and I spoke to him saying, oh, I feel like in training, I'm doing really well. I'm working really hard. What do I need to do that I'm not doing to get into the squad? Like, what, am I, what do I need to do? Or like, what is this player doing that I am doing? That, like, hence why he's in the squad and not me. And he's playing. So I, I asked him this question. And he was like, oh, he's happy. I came and spoke to him about it. But like, you know, he said, oh, it's not, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm doing really well. But like, just like difficult at the moment. We've got a lot of players, a lot of older players, and stuff like that. But then, you know, just keep working hard. You get your opportunity. You've got to be patient. So obviously then I said, took line, went training, keep training hard, kept doing the same thing. And then went through a period where I was not in the squad. Again, after speaking to him like that, training hard. And obviously like, I'll, um, I'll be lying if I say it wasn't affecting me. Obviously like at first we try and like, you know, you try and say, oh, listen, it's football, you know, you have to earn your right to play, earn your, earn your spot in the team. And to the point where you feel like you're doing everything, in training you're working really hard, staying behind, doing extras, working everything. When they say you have to run, do all the, being up there, the running stats, everything like that to the point like literally you tried everything speaking to the manager asking what he needs to do all that kind of stuff but you're still not in the squad and when you ask him he said oh you're not doing anything wrong son like you know what I'm saying so it's really it's so difficult at that time isn't it so sometimes um, I might not see it but maybe other people might have saw it on the pitch like it kind of affected my mood a bit more in training where I wasn't as like you know you know like talkative maybe was a bit more as the vibe more energetic in the changing room and stuff like that where maybe I kept to, to myself a bit more you know so that's when I had like Connor, obviously he was going through the similar situation where he wasn't getting the most involvement he was expecting. And then obviously we had him living together. So we were kind of talking it out, speaking about what we need to do. We stayed in behind together, trying to work on other stuff like that, with that kind of thing. So like in football, that's why it's sometimes good to have someone there in a similar boat to you, stuff like that. And then, yeah, and then it came down to obviously the mid-end of the season, not end of the season, near, near midway through the season in December. Um, yeah, we had, we, had, we had a game where like we had a game where like you know 
um, we had a game where for the players that hasn't been getting minutes. So this was like for the players that hasn't been getting minutes with the, with the under 33s. They organised some friendlies for them to play in. And then, so this game now, I was excited because I haven't played them for a while now. So in training, I've been practicing everything I'm, I'm, like, I'm expected to do. Coming in, like spinning the ball in behind, pressing after, make sure I'm really fit, getting energy everywhere. So I can just prove a point. Like, you know, I know the manager be watching, prove a point. So, and they come to the game. We had, we had a few younger players on the 18s to fill the team up. Because obviously, we had all these players who hasn't played that much, filled up with the younger under 18 that's playing up. And then all the players who played a lot of minutes would be resting, as they did. And then that game, I come into the bench. I was 100% confident I'm going to start. 100%. Because like, there's no reason. Because obviously, we didn't have enough players for the, for the team. Because, like, you know, our team, most of the players are playing, other players are not playing. wasn't enough to, to do start, have a start 11. And then, yeah, I come to the game day. I see, I, I, I see the number eight there. <laughs> I go sit next to it. All Fine. excited. I say, yep, my, that's my shirt right there. Let me get ready. Everything. Yep, yeah, it was my boots put right there. And then, yeah, the manager comes in, names the, name, names the team sheet. And then I was like on the bench. And then he did start me. And then he put me, he put me like, he started another player who was on the 18s and he was struggling to get into his own age group. He started him ahead of me. Obviously, like, I was thinking, and this player, at this time, like, he never trained with the 23s. So normally, like, if you players their well with the 18s, they'd be training involved with us. But he, and he's never trained with us ever, like, and he just went straight in and started. So obviously, there Who then, did he know? Who was he related to? Which, <laughs> uh, because that, that's, it's nepotism, yeah. man. This happens sometimes in football. Like that, you know. Sometimes it happens. Like, it yeah. happens a lot. A lot. More than, yeah. more than you know, bruv. And you've been, you've yeah, been involved in it. But <laughs> listen, you, you've been a fantastic guest, man. I really appreciate your time and yeah. You know, you've got some f- incredible stories at yeah. 19 years old. And um, yeah. I wish you luck for the future. Hopefully, you know, right. you can find a club very, very soon. I know the window's yeah. closed, but you're you're available to talk to clubs. You can talk to clubs of anywhere course, yeah. in the world. So, yeah. yeah, man, appreciate your time. And look, before I wrap this up, do you have any social media that you'd like to promote? Um, my Instagram, I'm, I'm quite active on my social media there on Instagram. Um, obviously, there you can see the whole story so far from obviously all the way through everything like that to what I'm doing right now so keeping fit and sharp got a few teams interested a lot of teams so at the moment just I also like like to sometimes promote the journey because sometimes footballers don't tend to do that too much uh-huh. where they, you just see them they disappear and they just they reappear with a new team sometimes yeah. you don't know you don't know that about the graph but I like sometimes like almost show the process of it because sometimes it's not always there you can show sometimes like you know like what you're doing during that, that period where you haven't got a team because that period there is same, similar to anyone else it's nothing special. You just have to put the work in, put the time in, and be patient. And then, you know, wait, wait, like I'm saying, because the team game interested, worth that time. But when that opportunity do come, you have to be ready. So, I mean, so like, it's nothing different, but I like to show that kind of side of my kind of story so far. So, if anyone's interested in that, they can just follow me on Instagram, which is Ishmael, which is I S M A I L, number 46, 46, Diallo, D I A double L O. That's our Instagram. Yeah. We'll be putting it in the in the links and we'll put it all over social media and everything. Perfect. So yeah, Ishmael, thank you very much for your time. Oh, that is it, ladies you. and gentlemen. Loved it. Loved it. Thank you, man. Right, that's it for another episode. We'll be back very, very soon. The the league resumes after the international break, which seems like an eternity. Hopefully, Omani will be back to winning ways in the return of Matt Darvishad to Omani, which is gonna be a little bit uncomfortable for me because he's a good mate. But that's it. Until next time, bye Mishila.